adesso c'è c'è l'opportunità del pareggio da parte degli inglesi Saka sul pallone batterà con il Mancino il quinto rigore della serie della nazionale inglese prende anche lui una breve rincorsa il fischio dell'arbitro la rincorsa di Saka il tiro siamo 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 campioni d'Europa 23 54 minuti in Italia l'Italia è campione d'Europa per la seconda volta della sua storia la parata donna Roma thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Tifosi Football Radio my name is Christian Baldanza di Tacchio and this is Giuliano Caleri and abbiamo fatto Italy are the Euro 2020 champions Campione. That's it. Campione d'Europa. What can I say? I'm at a loss for words. I'm over the moon. There's no there's no words to describe what I'm feeling right now. How, how about you? I think you have some words. There was a video of you circulating on Sure. <laughs> on Instagram. Okay, well, <laughs> let's get out. Let's explain it. So obviously uh, my wife took a candid. That, <laughs> no, that was not rehearsed. It was actually a candid video she had. It's actually 10 minutes for the whole shootout, but she had to narrow it down <laughs> to 20 minutes. I didn't know she was recording. She was sitting on the stairs, and I was losing my mind. So before we get into the game, I guess we'll explain it, explain what I'm feeling. Yes, I did ball my eyes out like a baby because it's been three years of torture, three years of uh, humiliation, not making the, the, the World Cup and, and, you know, being taken as garbage and, and look where we are in three years. But th there's, there's a bigger reason why and there's why I'm so proud of this squad. Um, for those of you that follow me on Instagram, I believe I did explain it. Um, so Italy is a, is a country made up of 20 different regions, so 18 regions on the mainland, two, uh, two islands, and for the non-Italians. So for those that don't understand history, uh, these 20 regions are very different. So since the unification of Italy, I'm, I'm going to give you a very, very quick history lesson. Since the unification of Italy, uh, there's been a lot of people that have resisted this unification. They're from their region first, and then they're Italian. So there are very few things that unite this beautiful country as a whole. And probably the most important thing, believe it or not, that unites the country as a whole culturally is the national football team. Uh, so it means a lot. That crest means a lot. That flag means a lot. And uh, the whole... Italians around the whole world got to feel united as one. This connected them back home watching this victory. And I just want to say one thing. Uh, as a fan, I was very, very, very inspired to beat England, especially after the first few minutes, how they walked out on the pitch. The one thing I don't agree with, and I'm not saying all English did it, that were in the stadium, is booing an opposing team's anthem. You never, ever, ever do that. I don't care what country you're from and what country's anthem is playing, you never boo it. There are reasons behind these anthems. There are reasons why these anthems exist. If you are a person that chooses to boo an anthem while it's playing, uh, I know not everybody does it, but if you are one of them, you have no class. You don't understand 
how important some anthems are to some countries and our Italian anthem is very important and those 11 players belting out that anthem and uh, all the substitutes on the bench and the coaches and the staff and everything belting out that anthem it, it there's a reason for it there there is a reason for it there is a lot of history there there's a lot of history and passion there uh, and uh all you did was you inspired every single player on that field uh, to shut you guys up, and you inspired every single fan watching that game to hope that you get humiliated if you're cheering for the opposing team. And that's what I'm so grateful to to have happened. Um, I have no, there's no disrespect to the English football team. There's no disrespect to their staff. There's no disrespect to any fan that didn't boo the anthem. But for those that did boo the anthem, I'm glad you guys suffered. I'm glad you guys got humiliated in your own backyard uh, by the Italian team. And this is what I'm going to say. We deserve to win it because we were a team. We may not have been the most talented team in this tournament, but we were the only team that knew how important it was to play for that crest, for to play for that flag, and to represent that country as a whole, as a unit, and you guys deserved to get humiliated for that. There were a few players on England that chose to play for the crest on the front, and I respect that, and the one guy I have to say that did, Harry Maguire, Harry Kane, the Harrys, Jordan Pickford, there were players, but there were other players that just didn't care. But uh, I respect every player in this tournament or every player in professional sports that plays, that represents their country and knows what an honor it is. So I guess what I'm saying is for those of you that booed that anthem, I'm happy you guys got humiliated and you went home with nothing but tears and nothing but depression because you got what you deserved. And in the worst way possible. Yeah. By losing an unhealthy shootout. Well, you know what? At the same time, like I said, there's no disrespect to English fans or anything. But for those that booed the anthem, you got what you deserved. It's the worst way to go, and you got it. And But, you know, we're going to get into this game. We're going to talk about it. And, uh, and rightly so, I'm going to say it right off the bat, the better team won. And you never see that very often in, uh, in a penalty shootout. You know, sometimes you'll always see that sometimes the team that doesn't deserve to win gets through the penalty shootout, and the argument was, well... What about the commentary again? The biasness in the commentary? Well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Everything is pro-EPL, pro-English. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of this. But you know what? That's why I don't watch the EPL. That's why uh, I don't watch... I try not to watch the Serie A games in English because it's just bias. It really is bias. They, you know, those that are EPL commentators or you know, pro-English commentators uh, look at every other league is a joke. Well, guess what? Farmer's League. Yeah, it's a Farmer's League. Well, guess what? You know who? You know what league scored the most goals in this tournament? Serie A. It wasn't the Premier League. Serie A, I believe, had 37 goals to the EPL's 30. So take that in your pipe, put it in your pipe, and smoke it. Because what not, does that not tell Not bad you? for Farmer's League. Not bad for a Farmer's League. I'm just, you know... I just don't understand the bias. I know you want your. I know you want your. It's the hate for Italy, the success out of the '90s that that Italy had early 2000s, and and now EPL has been the the main show for a lot of neutrals. Yeah, and it's just that. Uh, yeah, there's definitely. Yeah, 
The funny thing was the, all uh, the, these comics, they thought we were a joke because we have Domenico Berardi from Sassuolo, who they've never heard of because he doesn't play in the Champions League. We had Manuel Locatelli, another Sassuolo player. Matteo Piscina, Atalanta player, who people are starting to notice. Like, for neutrals or for EPL fans, everybody was so amazed what Federico Chiesa can do. Oh, my God, this guy's amazing. Well, he's been doing that since he... Marched on the scene at City. Yeah, if you open your eyes a little bit and try and broaden your horizons, you would know. Hey, that's what Federico Chiesa does. Every person that follows City, yeah, Italian, non-Italian, or watches more than just the EPL, wasn't surprised with with what Federico Chiesa did this tournament. And people, and those people weren't surprised when you know you hear someone else so "Who's Domenico Berardi?" Well, people know who he is. And I think that's why expectations were high for Italy going into the tournament. At least the semifinal finish, we put them at at minimum a, a semifinal finish yeah. to be a success. Yeah. Especially with the caliber of coach that's at the helm, and they they exceeded. Yeah. And that was without a true superstar in this team. Exactly. As well. Exactly. So exactly. this Italian team, they played as a amazing. unit. They played as a unit better than any other team. Any other any other team, mm -hmm. hands down. And a quick shout out. To Brian Cristante, yes, born in Italy, but Canadian roots. So there is a Canadian that is now crowned as a European champion. What does that tell you? Which must be a first. I think it's the first. Yeah. yeah. It's the first. First, yeah, because the other only other guy would have been Jonathan de Guzman. That doesn't happen. Owen Hargreaves, that would never happen because of who he plays for. And let's get, in, let's get into this. I'm not going to trash talk England. I'm just going to tell you how I feel about England. Okay, let's compare statistics here where everybody thought it was England's destiny. England has now appeared in two finals in their entire existence. Okay, entire existence, 66 and now. They won one controversially and they lost this one rightly so. They deserve to lose this. Now, let me put this into perspective for you. I'm just going to talk about the Euro. Here's a stat for you. Since Euro 2000, there have been six Euros. Italy has been in half of those finals. Half. Three of them. We've only won one of the three, but half. Just since 2000. What does that tell you? And not only that, in these last 20 years, we've also won a World Cup. And arguably, when the league, especially in the last 10 years, I'd say maybe a little bit before, I'd say up to around 2008, Italy was kind of it was going downhill from there. That's where their spirals started happening. Big time, and uh, and look what Italy's achieved. Yeah, I mean it's been like you said, three years of of misery. We hit yeah. definitely hit one of our lowest points. Yeah, since I believe the sixties. Uh, yeah, when Italy hit another low point, and yeah. and it's been yeah, Italy's been one of the best nations in the world. Yeah, oh, with it's... with the so called lack of capable players. Yeah, well, you know. Martin Tyler and Andy Gray can just stick to the EPL. I'm sick of hearing them. I'm out. You can stick to your EPL and get your uh, get your extra little side job doing uh, FIFA 21 or FIFA 22 commentary. I really don't care. But uh, you know what? For the commentators that you guys are, broaden your horizons. Get some knowledge out there. You know nothing outside of the EPL other than probably Messi and Ronaldo. That's the only reason you know about Italy and Spain is because of Messi and Ronaldo. Big freaking deal. Broaden your horizons, people. Want to get into the match? Let's get into the match. So as everyone knows, 1-1 within 90 minutes. Overtime, 
and then into penalty shootouts. Italy takes it. Yeah. Donnarumma, the man, saving uh, three penalties, one hit in the post. What do we think about the match, the tactics, the pre, the build-up to the match? Just let me know what you thought going in from the from the first minute, what you were feeling. I'll tell you exactly what I'm When England scored, what were you feeling? I'm happy it happened then. I'm happy it happened then. Because guess what? After those first 10 minutes when Italy settled in, we owned them for the rest of the game. Owned them. Owned them. And people keep saying, oh, it's Southgate's tactics, blah, blah, blah. You put these penalty takers in. No, no, no. Let's start, let's start with the basis. Gareth Southgate approached this game very stupidly, and his players bought in. So let's, let's lay the foundations for that. So Gareth Southgate was playing a four-man back for the most part this tournament, opted to go three at the back uh, for the final. And for one very specific reason, the reason why he... He chose to go through at the back was to nullify Italy's attack. So when Italy has the ball in the offensive end, they usually switch their formation, which is a 4-3-3, into a 3-2-5. So they go with five at the five up top, very advanced, which which is Emerson, the front three of Insigne, Chiro, and Chiesa, and Barella is the pinch uh, runner from midfield. So that's why Gareth Southgate went with the five at the back to man mark those five attackers stupid the two in the midfield take out stupid. the two in our midfield which would be Verratti and uh, and Jorginho and then England's front three goes against our th- front three so he was going for a tactic to nullify the Italian uh, attack and it worked at the beginning of the game Italy at the beginning of the game I thought Gareth Southgate I think he actually lined up his team perfect I think he what I, for I, 10 minutes no he Gareth Southgate, England had the better of Italy for the first half, the entire 45 minutes. They were in complete control. It was like Italy versus Spain. Um, Italy didn't do anything in the first 45 minutes, and it was until a couple of changes, which we'll get into. But England was uh, outplaying Italy for pretty much the majority of the first half. Now, tactics-wise, I think Gareth Southgate did get a bang on, but they were guilty of scoring too early, sitting back and not continuing the attack which could have made this game completely different. The tactic worked, obviously, because Trippier from Shaw, from wing back to wing back. Insigne and Chiesa do not track back. Well, Chiesa does, but he was more preoccupied being up top, and they didn't track back, and they were in no man's land. And it took them around 30 minutes to adjust and realize, shit, we got to start dropping back to cover uh, for so that we don't get outnumbered on the wings. And that Italy eventually figured that out with the tactical changes and stuff. But I think Gareth Southgate got it got the tactics spot on. You got the early goal. They just, the three lines were the three pussycats. No killer instinct. And the Italians showed killer instinct. And that, to me, was the the major difference at the opening start of the game. I don't know how you can go and play sit back and counterattack against the team that built its foundation for the past century on Catanaccio. Which apparently is the worst way of playing. So how funny is that? You know, the English are... Yeah, but you're trying. The English the English are so critical of the way the Italians have been playing. The entire world, actually, not just the English. The entire world has been so critical about the way Italy has approached football for the past however long they've been kicking a ball in Italy. years. And until recently, we've been playing this more offensive game. And now everyone wants to go play like the Italians. That's the way Portugal won it. That's the way France won the World Cup by playing like the old style of Italians. You lock up 
secure, solid defensively, and you rely on individuals to win you games. That's the way the Italians used to win. And Gareth Southgate, he did come out and say himself, he was replicating England to play like Didier Deschamps' France and uh, Fernando Santos's Portugal. He wanted to replicate, but they're just missing that little ingredient, I think, in the midfield. But isn't it funny how everyone bangs on Italy's system, which has been one of the most successful, and now everyone wants to replicate it. Hypocrites. Yeah. So Hypocrites. anyway, going off on that little tangent, what, what else did you think about the match? So England gets the early goal, two minutes in. What, what did you feel? Were you getting flashbacks of, uh, of Spain 2012 when Spain trumped us 4-1? I just, the only thing I say is get out of these 10 minutes. Get out of these 10 minutes and uh, you'll be okay. And they got out of those 10 minutes. And, uh, you know, uh, a couple of uh, a couple of friends spoke a little too soon when, uh, <laughs> when they scored. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It's just that's what I felt. I felt uh, get out of these 10 minutes. Okay, they scored. Get out of these 10 minutes. Better happens now. Italy will go on the forefront. We'll open up. And uh, and start pushing, taking it to these uh, to the English, which they did, and uh, you know they they eventually took control of this team, and they they dictated the whole game, uh, in my opinion, and they totally to me they dominated the English. They really did. I mean, uh, like you said, that's a pretty perfect analogy. The three lions became the three pussy cats. I mean. Uh, no killer instinct. None. That's what they lack. When you, when you got the quality players, and th- this was what Gareth Southgate, too, he got hammered for in the media, is you got the the likes of Grealish, who he waited till overtime to put yeah. on. Grealish, you, Sancho. Rashford, Sancho. You bring on, on a corner kick at the end of the game, you bring them on for a corner kick, which is ridiculous. You should have brought them on earlier. Could you imagine if Italy scored when he made that sub off that corner and he pits two offensive players on a corner? Yeah. Just complete stupidity. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Uh, he's, he's out of a job. I don't think he's going to lose his job. This is the best England's been in a long time. Gareth Southgate did do a good job. It's he's a, he's evolving as a coach. So we got to take into consideration. Mancini has ten times the experience he does. So no, he does. He has a lot to learn. His assistants maybe should have pointed out to him certain things, and they should have done should have done earlier in the game. But yeah, England is just they were too. Like I said, no killer instinct. They know how to play in first gear. They know how to make teams look ordinary. And they did make Italy look ordinary at times. You know, there was times where Italy, yes, we had the ball. We were creating chances, but the chances, really, Pickford really just had to make one big save on Chiesa. That was it. He really didn't have to make any other massive saves. The only other massive save he made was uh, the save right before Bonucci tapped it in. So for all the possession we had and attacking momentum that we had because we had to score... We really didn't do that much. We weren't really that dangerous. Both teams, I feel like, nullified each other. Uh, so I don't think England was as bad. I just think they really lacked the killer instinct. And, and Gareth Southgate, now he's, yeah, he's getting hammered for his lack of courage. But what do we think about... Do you think Mancini got the game right with this setup or no? Of course he did. They won. But we won a penalty shot. It's made it harder than it had to be. Like yeah. I said, England England allowed us into this game. We conceded super early, which shows a lack of concentration. We've always said it. You concede within the first five minutes in a final. It's a complete lack of concentration. Now, it was a good strike by Shaw. 
But Italy, to me, was asleep from the beginning. It was They started this game wrong. I thought, for me, Mancini got the tactics wrong on this game. I beg to differ. I think it could and have he, been a And lot, he corrected it with the subs. I think it could have been a lot worse. It, lot, it could have been a lot. It could have ended a lot worse for the English. They were lucky to go to go as what far as they did to penalties because it was a matter of time for Italy to score. Yeah, but that's that's what we're saying with the early goal. It forced England to sit back, and without that killer instinct, they just kept dropping deeper and deeper. I was I was watching this game, of course, and I said the second Italy score now, the game's won. It's done because we have all the momentum. The momentum's all in our court. We score, the English are done. They're too used to sitting back. They have. No momentum. They have no uh, rhythm in the game. They can't even link two passes. No. Go on, because everyone's just concerned about getting behind the ball. Yeah, getting behind the ball and try and find Sterling for an outlet. That's all they had. Yeah, they completely shot themselves in the foot. You're at home, traveled the least, scored two minutes in. Had a great path. Like, they had such a... They threw it all away. But Italy, amazing. Some outstanding performances, too, defensively. What did you think? Best team in the tournament won. You don't get to say that very often. What about the individual performances? What did you think? <clears throat> Donnarumma has established himself as one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And what he's accomplished in the young age of 22, he's already accomplished as much as Gianluigi Buffon has accomplished for the national team. What does that tell you? Are we on the brink of something special? I think John Luigi Donnarumma. My tune has changed a little bit. I think John Luigi Donnarumma is going to exceed John Luigi Buffon's legendary status. And what a shame, Syria losing one of its major. Yeah. Oh, he's major I, PSG's in a big conundrum now. You got the player of the tournament. Um, you're paying him twelve million a year. You, I think you have to go with him as your starting goalkeeper, and you have to do something with Kaylor Navas. You have to. Now. PSG's laughing to the bank. We signed this guy on a free. We pay him twelve million a year, but yeah. now look what he's worth. Player it's crazy. Tournament. I've yeah. never. I don't think ever in history the Italian national goalie's been playing in another league outside no. of City. Yeah. I wish him all the best. I do think he's taken a step down going into the league because league is basically like a two-three horse race. Uh, with Lille, Monaco, and PSG. I hope it does change uh, for Liga and we do get a little more competition. I just, I, you know, I'm happy for him because he's going to be playing Champions League regularly now. So he's going to be on the international stage quite a bit, playing in the, arguably the hardest tournament to ever win on the planet. So Gianluigi Donnarumma, great. My hands are up. I'm on my knees. I'm bowing down to those two old guys, Leonardo Bonucci and Giorgio Chiellini. Holy shit, Giorgio, man. Uh, Specif specifically Giorgio, getting a lot of flack before the tournament. Not yeah. having the greatest of seasons. I would say just an average season. Yeah. At Juve, tended off. Yeah, hurt all the time. Hurt all the time. And then for the Sazzurri, I, I mean, we knew they were going to play a high line. Everyone was questioning whether... These guys could run. Is he fast enough? Does he have the legs to get back? Which he showed. And even uh, even Bruno Fernandes put out a tweet today congratulating Giorgio Chiellini from Manchester United because he used to play for uh, Udinese. Yes. And uh, he said, if you... People understand what technical defending, the technical aspect of defending is. This guy is the staple. Well, yeah, and to talk about Giorgio's Giorgio's game, you know, yes, he has lost pace. Yeah, he, but he, he'll he take is, the he foul still, when he has to, like that yes. grab. Well, that, yeah, that that was the only mistake he made. All <laughs> that was awesome. That was the only mistake he made all tournament. And listen, Giorgio, where are you going? Giorgio oh, works boy. in the Giorgio works in the high line, which a lot of people thought wasn't going to work, is because he's aggressive and he wants to win the ball. Yeah. His aggressiveness works really well in the system, actually, which I, I overlooked myself. That aggressiveness is key. And he doesn't need to be super fast. Yeah. 
in this style of system. Yeah. It worked but perfectly. But the question I have for you now is, should he go out on a high note here or should he? Should they run with him for Qatar? Giorgio should leave on a high note. I agree. Leave I agree. on a high note. He now has cemented himself. This is what, this is for me what separated Giorgio from being one of the legends of Italian defending to just being maybe just an echelon below. And it was this, a major international trophy because he's never won Champions League. He's yeah. never won a World Cup. His tenure, we always talk about the last decade, it's been horrendous. Yeah. On the international stage for Italy, it's been a complete joke up until now. And he, him and Benucci, not just Chiellini, they've cemented, now they have cemented themselves oh. in Italian folklore. The my God. And they're legends of the game now. They they're are. legends. You know, they, now with that nine Scudetto that they won in a row with Juve. They are up there with like Cannavaro. They're up there. They're, now, they're, now they can eat at the table of Cannavaro, Nesta, Maldini. Barzali, who won. I know he was, well, yeah. no, um, I won't say no, but Barzali's kind of there. He's maybe serving the food, but <laughs> Barzali, Barzali's there because he was a sub. He got injured in the World Cup, but Materazzi's a legend. He, they're, they're the legends now of the Italian yeah, national team and of and of, uh, of Italian football, period. They've proven themselves, and no player deserved it more than these two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just like Messi with yeah. Copa America. That's the one thing I do want to say about Bonucci. I mean, I, I give this guy flack a lot. My son actually wants to replicate him. Now that's his new hero is Bonucci. But the way this guy stepped up when his country needed him, he got the equalizing goal. He didn't give up on that corner. And he stepped up in both penalty shootouts and buried both with confidence. And that, that was yeah. a stutter step on yeah. Pickford. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't see center backs doing that. Well, both center backs scored. Harry Maguire hit the Harry best Maguire one. Harry Maguire was a fe- He broke the camera. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. <laughs> it was a beautiful penalty. It was. It was I the like best Harry one. Maguire. It was the best one. Yeah. I like Harry Maguire. But, yeah, Bonucci, Chiellini. They're horses. Legends now. They are. They're I think Bonucci obviously will be at Qatar 2022. He has he'll, to say. He he'll probably say. be the captain, and he'll probably pair him up with like a Bastoni yeah. or a Mancini. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who I think are ready. They, remember, Chiellini didn't play every game. Chiellini just came back. Yeah. Uh, came back he for the, came for injured. He was, he was the injured. The Belgium game, I think. Yeah, he was injured, and then he came back, and uh, Bastoni and Acerbi did pretty good, you know. So it is a matter of time. We do have to give these guys a chance. Chiellini mm-hmm. is 37 now. He'll be 38. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot can happen in just over a year. Yeah. Yeah. I but I think, I think he should leave on a high. And oh. don't, make, don't make the mistake of Buffon. Don't make that. Or Cannavaro. Stayed too late. Yeah. 20, we don't want South Africa to happen again. That's what we've always said. Italian, the Italian national players, sometimes they, when they overstay. Win, yeah, when they get something, then they just overstay their welcome. We saw it in 86. Well, mm-hmm. we didn't see it ourselves, but we saw it in 86 when they that, that debacle in the 86, the debacle in 2010. So let's hope we don't see that again. I want to ask you yes. what you thought of Emerson this game. Emerson, I mean, he was... For me, he was uh, average. I didn't think he was amazing. I didn't think he was poor. I just but thought he was—he was good. He did he what he was supposed in. to do. He filled in. He, he filled he, in. It was a—it was—it wasn't seamless. Obviously, yeah. Spinazzola could Spinazzola have done better in this game? I really don't know. But a lot I, of people think he would. Have. I, I don't. I don't. I, don't know. I really don't think Spinazzola would have done much better than Emerson. Di Lorenzo. This game was way too cagey. Di Lorenzo, I. I think he's he's one of the guys at fault for that first goal because he didn't pick up Shaw. Yeah, but at the same time, yes, Di Lorenzo didn't pick up Shaw, but at the same time, 
in, in, Chiesa didn't track back. Yeah, that's true. That's Chiesa's man. The midfield on that side, Barella didn't track back. Your man. Because, yeah, Di, Di Lorenzo, you have to remember, he has, I think it was Raheem Sterling on that side yeah. or Mason Mount. He has to worry about him. He has to worry about him first and foremost. That's his guy. And on top of it, the way the goal, the reason, the reason why that goal worked is because Harry Kane dropped deep for the one-two with the defender who made the long ball who pass. Played a fantastic, yeah, game by the way. He ran his ass. Didn't off get a shot team, on net, but he ran his ass off for his team. Respect but, for him. Yeah, he dropped deep. It sucked. Kilini Bonucci. They're kind of didn't know who to mark up. Harry Kane made the late run in the box, which drew Di Lorenzo in because Sterling was I don't think was too involved in the play at that point. Kilini Bonucci got their markers all mixed up and yeah. that just that little movement of Kane dropping in deep and then penetrate into the box with a deep run threw everything out of whack like I said Barella and Chiesa didn't pick up and Shaw just went in unattested yeah. and Di Lorenzo was pulled out of it was a good offensive move mm-hmm. it was a very good offensive move and it was one England's been using the whole time because Harry Kane didn't have a shot I don't think within the 18 yard box like in a final that's crazy because they yeah. only had the one shot on that that is crazy I don't even think he had a touch in the 18-yard box, so which is unacceptable. That's why we say they, they were toothless. How do you not get a guy like Kane, who was he played amazing, shielding the ball, he won fouls, you know, maybe fell down easy a few times, but not as much as Sterling. But that's Ballerina. how that's how that goal. But Di Lorenzo, to get back to my thought, he was excellent. Like we said, this guy was playing, I think, amateur football three, four years ago. Yeah, City of D. Now he's a national hero. Uh, you know, I think of the same caliber of of like the Grossos and. And stuff like that. He he goes down. I think, and he wasn't even supposed to be a starter. Remember, it was Florenzi, and he who came, came on. <laughs> you, who came I was going to ask you what you thought. Who came are. on at the end? I mean, I was like, why is this guy coming on? But <laughs> Di, Di Lorenzo, I think he was great. I think he was outstanding. We got to remember the types of players he was going up against, and he did a he did a hell of a job. And his normal position is to, and we could see when he goes up, Di Lorenzo. When he attacks with the ball, he pinches, he runs. He is n- next to none. He's mm-hmm. one of the best in the world at mm-hmm. advancing the ball forward. Mm-hmm. But for the Azzurri, he was more, he was told to stay back more. Yeah. To form a front three when Italy attacked. So he was he was not even playing his style of game, and he still did amazing. So I think one of the best standout Italian players, completely underrated, Di Lorenzo, I think, in this team. Um, so that's what I thought of him. What did you think of our... Our midfield in this game, the trio: Jorginho, Barella. I think Jorginho, for me, should be the Ballon d'Or winner. Yeah. Baratti and and Barella. What did you think of the three of them? Jorginho, fantastic. Uh, came out. He's obviously easily one of the players of the tournament. He's in the UEFA Euro 2011. I think there's five Italian players in there. Yeah, should um, be the whole squad. Yeah, uh, Jorginho. It's like uh, Martin Tyler and Andy Gray said. He's the metronome. He literally dictates the play. He dictated everything between him and Verratti. I thought they were fantastic. Barella, not impressed. Uh, did it? He he disappeared for this game. Um, I want to get your thoughts about that, but I want to talk about yeah, a, subs- yeah. a key substitution after you, you give your thoughts on the midfielder. On the midfielder, Brian. I want to give uh, Mr. No, Cristante. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I want to get no. your thoughts. What on Barella or the sub? On the on the midfield as a whole. On the on the midfield as a whole, yeah, I thought it was uh, even Barella. I thought it was ineffective. Like I said, England did did to us what we did to Spain. Spain had all the ball, but did Spain ever really threaten us? 
That's what it felt like. We had the ball, but we never really threatened the net. We really, we didn't. We really didn't. We did not test Pickford the way he should have been tested. And I think it's because we we did have the midfield advantage, 3v2, but we did not use it to the, probably the way we should have. You didn't see the passing combinations like you normally see between Verratti, Jorginho, and Barella. These guys usually play quick one-two touch pass and draw guys well, in. you also don't have that guy that's pulling the shoot outside and test Pickford. The only guy that was doing that was Chiesa. Chiesa. And so is Pellegrini that missing piece? Or should I, I think, on well, I think that's, yeah, Pellegrini not being in the squad is a huge piece. Locatelli, right? Yeah. Uh, not being involved. And yeah, there's one point. We said it. Our midfield does not shoot. There was one point where Verratti's running in on net from the left side and he has a clear shot to hammer it at net. Yeah. And he chooses to go do a layoff pass. It's weird. At he just does not want to shoot. It's just not in his DNA to shoot. So I thought the midfield, for as good as we were for retaining the ball, I'm not saying Verratti, Jorginho, they played bad. I think they played they played great. At the same time, we nullified England's attack. You know, they had to get through our players and they couldn't get through them. So they did... They did excellent, but it was kind of, it was too cagey. And, and I think our midfield maybe got a little bit nervous. They grew into the game after key substitution I'll talk about after the one I know you want to talk about, which I think made a big difference. Because, yeah, Barella, and we'll get into it now. Yeah, I know you're talking about the Brian Cristante sub for Barella, which made a difference. For me, wasn't the game-changing no, sub, but, it made, but a it made a difference. And the reason why Mancini went for that sub is because we know the English are very physical. They're tough. They're going to win the aerial battles. Cristante is one of our bigger guys in the team. And Barella is really small, gets thrown off the ball way too easy. As as effective as he is with his energy, he can be taken out of the game effectively. Barella, you know, it's very easy to take Barella, Barella out of a game. So Cristante was a good alternative to get some size in the lineup and i was surprised when i saw him coming off on the field i was really surprised but when you sat down and thought for a minute why he did it mancini it made sense mm -hmm. we okay. needed that size in the team yeah you need that size he was he had a part to play in the in the in the tying goal he it's his head that yeah. goes gets exactly. on and goes across the size right? that's what we're missing on the set pieces yeah. and it's and he started off as an attacking midfielder in his career, yeah, right? Yeah, it's strange. So people, people, the, that's the one thing I want to give credit to. This Italian team, everybody knows what their role was. And Brian's role was to go at the defense, go at the midfield, because Barella wasn't. And he wasn't, right? Yeah, he wasn't. So, and P, for Roma fans like me, he, Brian doesn't do that at Roma. He's... Uh, he played. He played center back for half the season. He's a deep line. He's midfield. a deep line midfield. For, so to see him do that on the Italian team actually gives me a lot of hope, and I hope it gives Jose Mourinho hope on wow, how he, he finally because he finally played with a real coach, Brian Cristante. <laughs> okay, well that's why the Roma players look good when they well, play freely. Li listen, I mean, <laughs> I was, I always, I always knew that Brian had that ability to do something like that, and I just. I'm glad he proved all those doubters. We heard a lot of criticism. Why is Brian Cristante coming on the squad? For that reason. Well, and people are doubting it because you got a guy like Locatelli yeah. who comes on. But it was a good it was a good sub. Like you said, he won. Yeah. He has an aerial presence. He won the near post challenge, beat yeah. his beat his marker, and it caused right. that chaos yeah. in the box. Yeah. The big sub for me Way though. Go, Brian. Yeah, outstanding performance at his job. The Canadian, big, the, everybody, half Canadian. But this is where the game changed big time for me. And it was with the sub of Domenico Barardi for Chiro. That was the sub 
We needed that. That allowed Italy to come back to the game and really put the English like in the box. Take the England did nothing after the sub was made. Took Chiro off. He brought on Domenico, who, who drops deeper, is more aggressive, and he moves Insigne into the false nine posi- uh, position to drop deep and, and shore up the midfield a little bit more. That's why that sub was made and allowed Chiesa to make his runs, but already to make his runs. It gave Chiesa more opportunity on the one-on-ones, and I think that's when we got to test Pickford as well. Yeah, That was the sub that changed the game. And what the telling sign was, for me, like we were going to win this game was Southgate didn't react. He did not react to that oh. substitution. He waited till after we scored, which happened 10 minutes after. Because I strongly believe there's arrogance there. They don't know who he is. Probably. And a lack of good management. But he waited for that goal. So that sub was made. 10 minutes later, we score. No coincidence. Yeah. And then Gareth Southgate makes his first change in the 71st minute. Karen Trippier comes off for... for Bukaya Sako, Saka, sorry. And uh, we, we knew once that was that goal went in, Italy won. It, that was it. It was done. It didn't matter if we went into penalty shots. This game was won. The English were dead and buried after that goal in the 67th minute. Stadium. Just was, from that one you sub. You crickets aside from the yes. Italians fans. Just from that one sub, Kieran Trippier was ineffective because he was being pushed further back. So the reaction from Gareth Southgate was let's get Saka on, who's going to get more legs forward. Makes sense. Let's push the wing. Let's try and isolate Georgia Chiellini, which he did one time. Chiellini, you know, professional foul. People complaining it's a red, this and that. People, That's not a red. People don't know the game. Okay, yeah. there's professional fouls. Yeah. And there's times, there's times, there's times chance. you take a card, and that's that's the time. That's the time. Uh, that's just smart defending. Yeah. Something, you know, England lacks that kind of that street smart football. Well, they got a they lesson. They lack it sometimes, but they got a lesson. So that that was the that was the theory for Gareth Southgate. Put Saka on, start pushing the wing, get behind Emerson Palmetti, try and isolate Georgia Chiellini, which for anybody that watches the, the Zuri team through the entire tournament, no team was able to isolate Chiellini one-on-one. Nobody. So Chiellini was never isolated on one-on-one battles and got beat, not once. So think about that for a second. So the, the tactics from the opposing managers have been, haven't been good. I don't know if that's Mancini's genius or teams just couldn't couldn't break us down. I don't know what it was, but Giorgio Chiellini never, and you see it in City out when Giorgio Chiellini goes one on one. That's where he struggles. Yeah, is the one on one defending, right? Uh, when he's especially going up a pacey guy, up against a pacey guy. So England wasn't able to get that tactic going. They then bring on Jordan Henderson for Declan Rice. They take away Declan Rice. His forward runs were very effective. They took him off. They decided to play Jordan Henderson, who's more of a deep-lying, long-passing midfielder. England starts going more long ball, and that was it. That was They had nothing. They couldn't hit Kane. It was game over. They they ran out of ideas, and then and then we were forced to make changes through injury. Chiesa ends up coming off for Bernardeschi, who in the 86th minute, who I thought held his own. Yeah. I thought he, for all the flack that guy's taken, I, know. It, I, I was so happy for him to be able to get some minutes in this final and and score another huge penalty for Italy. Another huge penalty for Italy. I thought he played fantastic. And then and that was it. We went into overtime. Again, the toothless Lions make the... I, I wonder. I wonder if Gareth Southgate, he makes this substitution out of the pressure from the fans because he doesn't... 
he obviously doesn't like Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish apparently st- stood up in the penalty uh, shootout discussion, the circle, and said, I want to take a shot. And Gareth Southgate said no. And he brings him on in the 99th minute too for Mason Mount. One of the most skillful uh, English players creates stuff out of nothing. And he waits the 99th minute to bring him on, which I thought was a complete joke. We bring on Belotti Francini due to injury. We bring on Manuel Locatelli for Verratti, like for like subs. Game continues to go the way it does. And then, uh, and that was it. It was over. And then they make that absurd sub with Rashford and Sancho. And we know it's done. You're, it's so stupid to bring on two guys that haven't touched the ball in a final to take penalties. And it was over. England, it was done. They lost because of their, their manager just not making the right calls at the right time. Yeah. I was going to ask you, we thought of the lineup for penalty ca- yeah. takers, but... Uh, for who? For Italy and England? For both of them, yeah. Do you know who would have been number six for England? It would have been... Uh, I know it wasn't Jack Grealish. I read it. I forget who it was, though. It was Pickford. Yeah, Jordan Pickford. Pickford was Pickford. number six. So Which no he, has a, he has a good shot. Still, no Sterling, no Stones. I know. Well, Ster- no Grealish. Which I was surprised Stones wouldn't have stepped up because he's good at striking the ball. Yeah. He's a good pass for the ball. He has a good shot at him. Number six. Your goalkeeper. Are you kidding me? But apparently Gareth Southgate, too, he picked his uh, shooters based off a, like, in training, training, a league table they do for most penalty converts. It's like, that's that's amateurish. You got to go into the penalty shootout. And it's just, it's a feeling. It's confidence. It's it's a thing in the moment. You just, you don't go based off stats and who's hit the most in training because you can never replicate the emotion of a final. And you could see the second Marcus Rashford, he tries to imitate Pogba there where he, he walks back, the whistle's blown, and he takes like 15 seconds. And he, and he froze and he hit the post. That's what Pogba does. That, And it didn't work for Rashford. But it's because of the nervous energy. You could see in his, in his eyes when he's stepping up to the penalty. Especially in today's day and age where everyone has an opinion on Twitter and on social media. You miss... In today's day and age, especially that you're shooting second. So you shoot second in a penalty shootout, you're more likely to lose first of all because you got to match what the other team does every single time. So he's in a situation where he has to match that we just scored, I believe it was, uh, Bonucci. Bonucci scored, but to, this is for them to take the lead. Yeah, So, but still, the pressure's on, right? You got you to gotta do something, and he misses, and then it's too much pressure for a young player. And then the racist abuse they get, of course, is unacceptable. It's a, it's a joke. But then it continues with Jordan Sancho. The pressure's on him to hit. I got a match now with what what Bernadeschi did after his penalty. And this guy hasn't been used all tournament. He's not been used all tournament. I think he came on for a cameo against uh, Germany. Yeah. And and the Germans have been asking in the German media, why isn't Sancho playing one of the best players of the Bundesliga? What's going on? You have all this talent on the bench. Why are you not playing offensive soccer? Bring Jaden Sancho on for the last minute. To take a penalty, he misses. And now he's public enemy number one as well. Yeah. And then you choose a teenager, Saka, to take the fifth shot. The most important vital shot after Jorginho missed, which no one could believe. But it was a good save by Pickford. It was. And uh, you get a teenager to take the last shot. Harry Kane should be taking the last shot. Even said he takes the first. Not Saka. So I think Gareth Southgate ultimately... I think he got his team lineup right at the beginning of the match. Scored too early for their for their good. I think that really hindered them scoring that early. It allowed Italy 
88 minutes to get back into the game. And we were going to score in 88 minutes. Uh, and I think Gareth Southgate really threw this game away. And I think Mancini won it with some key subs that Gareth didn't react to. What did you think about the penalty shootout? Because um, no, no one's ever won back-to-back penalty shootouts no. in a Euro, which we were saying. I thought, and then I Italy I honestly, breaks that, that. I honestly didn't have good vibes going into the shootout. I said, we got to win this in 120. Kept saying that we cannot go to a shootout. I was worried because you know the same lineup. Which credit to Mancini, he didn't go with the same lineup. But Ardi steps up first. Then you got Bellotti. Bellotti, good penalty. Listen, yeah. Pickford, good save. Pickford saved two shots in this penalty shootout. Yeah. He Pickford, he read his notes. yeah, Pickford was the best player on the English team. For yeah, this on game. the English team, but on the other side, Donnarumma, you could just see. Just the way, especially Rashford, the, he tried to make Donnarumma jump. He was like a stone. He yeah. would not jump. He would not jump. Sancho, he read the whole time. You could see it. Oh, he's going this way. Boom. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't expect him to stop the Sacco one. And then just boom. Big save. Like I know. I, that, was, that was the first time I kind of was sweating during the penalty show when Jorginho missed. I'm like, you yeah. got to be kidding me. Mr. Yeah. Automatic misses. Like, yeah. This is a bad omen. This is yeah. for the winning shot. Yeah. I was a bit worried then, but Donnarumma, Donnarumma saved the day. Just, and it goes to show Donnarumma's mentality too. Yeah. Because when he made the save on Saka. He was so... No, he, he admitted it today. I, I thought right away he didn't even know yeah. that we won the penalty shootout. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way you react that cold. And he, yeah. I'm happy he came and admitted it that yeah. he didn't know Until that the game was Until started running won. to him. Yeah. And it, but it goes to show he doesn't care about He's not thinking about, I got to save this shot, you know, to win the tournament, this and that. It's, he's so focused just on the moment. He doesn't care what's happening outside of him. And that, that's, that mentality is, hopefully he keeps it for his entire career. It seems like he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. I mean, six years pro already from 16. He's 22 years old. He's only right 22. He, he's playing his, like he's 30. Yeah, his mentality of being able to shut out the crowd, it's phenomenal. And that goes to show, like, when he walked away, he doesn't care. My job is just to stop shots. You could have shot 20, and he probably would have saved the majority because he's just he's focused on the shooter. He doesn't care about no external factors. And I yeah. thought that was a telling sign the way he walked away. And you could tell in his face, he's like, he's thinking about the next shot already, mm-hmm. but he didn't have to make a next save because it was one. <laughs> it was a cool moment anyway. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you an absurd question. Yeah. Let's compare him to the previous John Luigi. Do you think he's better than John Luigi Buffon? Yeah, I know because John Luigi Buffon, you got to look up and like uh, it's like he's had different chapters to his career. Yeah, right. Uh, I'd say at, at the same age, Donnarumma is better. Yeah, I'd take the twenty-two-year-old Donnarumma over the twenty-two-year-old Buffon. I I agree. Uh, just you look at his you look at his save percentage you look at the saves he made I mean Buffon's made some incredible saves throughout his life fantastic goalkeeper legend legend for sure but I think he will be upsurped by Donnarumma who's already showing how much better of a penalty shot stopper he is because that was always Buffon's uh, Achilles heel was he was never a good he was never good in shootouts but at, at the same time we got to look at what Buffon's done on the European stage and, and Champions League. 
He made multiple finals with Italy too. He made multiple finals with with Juve. Donnarumma has I don't think ever been on the European stage Champions League wise. He will be now. Now he will be. So we'll see. Might get a Champions League. We'll see. He still has a long career to go. Yeah. He still has a lot to prove. We probably have at least another ten years of Donnarumma. Yeah. So he's still he's still nowhere near Buffon's level until he obviously finishes his career and then we can compare. But I'd say. If you take a snapshot, you have from 22 years old, Donnarumma leads right now. But at the same time, success and growth, it's not always up, uphill in that trajectory. That's that's a complete uh, fallacy. It doesn't always happen that way. Some players that could be amazing early on and they just nosedive down. Yeah, it's it's a possibility. So don't, you know, it's not always uphill, mm-hmm. and don't. Uh, don't expect them to always be get better and better and better. That's yeah. all I'm trying to get at. You know, don't put the pressure on Donnarumma to to exceed Buffon. Yeah. Well, we'll Just see what be happens. in the moment. I think Donnarumma is good enough to anyway. Yeah. Not worry about stuff like that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, so Italy are the champions of Europe. Uh, got a lot of momentum going into the Nations League final four. The undefeated run continues. Uh, it's been a, it's been a crazy run so far. It's been it was a fantastic tournament, and now Comebol and UEFA are trying to organize a Super Cup international friendly between uh, Argentina and Italy, which would be awesome to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, rumor has it it would either be at this Diego Maradona Stadium in Buenos Aires or the Diego Maradona Stadium in Napoli. So, I think that'd be really cool if they're able to do that. But it's a very busy international schedule, so. World Cup qualifiers, uh, Nations League Final Four. So it's a. We'll see if that that does happen. But uh, I can't tell you how proud I am of this Italian team and, and again what they what they showed and what they represented and uniting the whole Italian nation as one around the entire world. Um, can't thank them enough. Uh, it was an amazing first experience, I believe, for our boys. Who this is their first real experiencing italy international football so yep. i mean what a first experience that is and e- uh, even for this team it was the first experience for a lot of them for all of them yeah none of them have done anything internationally no nobody in this team so i was gonna say now yeah. that the tournament's done what has to maybe be changed in the Suzuki team <laughs> Who gets who gets dropped? Do you think going forward? What has to? It's not a perfect team. It's, no, a, it's, it's a winning team. It's not a perfect. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be really difficult. I think. But then there's nobody there. I think you you have to replace Chiro Immobile. But at the same time, there's nobody there up and coming yet. I mean, do we just bite the bullet? Give Raspadori the time. Uh, give Skamaka the time. Uh, there's there's names, but they just they're not there yet. And I mean, if this guy keeps scoring to over 25 goals a season for for Lazio, <laughs> like how can you not take him, right? I mean, Andrea Bellotti, I I know why he's brought in, but he really needs to shape up, or I think it's time for him to go. I think this is really an opportunity screaming for somebody like Andrea Batania, but he really uh, dropped the ball on his end for that. Uh, just totally gave up, and uh, rightly so is not on the Azzurri team. Giorgio Chiellini, th- I agree with you, should go out on a high. Uh, I think Leonardo Bonucci needs to lead this team now, and the next generation of defenders needs to come in. Uh, I think we should shore up the left back a little bit. 
uh, right back a little bit. The, pro- the big conundrum is going to be you got big pl- two big. Who do you games. replace in the right back position? I don't know. Right. Davide Calabria. But who are you taking out of the squad? You got to take uh, Flore- obviously I think Florenzio. <laughs> but Davide Calabria is a stellar right back and he will be the starter for Italy going forward. Di Lorenzo probably coming off the bench. I, I don't know about that now. It'll be, but we'll, well see. We'll see, right? We'll see. I Mancini's not afraid to make changes, but then the other thing too now is how in the world are you going to fit guys like Lorenzo Pellegrini, Zaniolo, if, he, if, Zaniolo. Any, if anything becomes of him? Yeah. Like how are you going to fit these guys in the squad? It's going to be really difficult. There's Luca Pellegrini too, Luca the Pellegrini, defender. Pellegrini, left back, yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of big names. But Agi was left out of this team yeah. as a left back, which is crazy. Moise Ken was left out. Uh, I'm not worried about that. A lot He's of, nobody. A lot of big, but a lot of big names with a lot of potential. So it will be interesting to see if this team continues the way it is or, or if Mancini decides to break it up a little bit. Because I think if we look back at what Lippi did from 06 to, to 08 and then he came back for 2010, right? Yeah. He brought the majority of the core back with some some changes in key positions but it it didn't work no i know i know that's a few years difference and this is only a year and a half difference but i wouldn't mind seeing some fresh faces in the attack if they're available of course yeah i wouldn't mind either i'm sick of cheeto i'm sick of him yeah cheeto he's a frustrating player i don't think he's as bad (laughs) as his performance to show He's obviously not the most talented player on the ball. He does other great things that aren't good on the eye, but they're effective. You just don't have stats that show that they're effective, like the runs he makes and stuff like that, and how he preoccupies his defender. But yeah, it's you know, and his stats too—they're not terrible. If you look at his goals per game average compared to even some of the Italian greats, it's on par. Yeah. So is is he doing that bad? It'll be interesting to see what Mancini makes of makes of him. Yeah, but, for sure. But you could tell when he made that sub in the fifty fifth minute, fifty sixth minute, whatever it was, Chido was pissed, and Mancini was pissed at at Chido too because they were yelling at each other on the sidelines a few times. So it'll be interesting to see what develops out of that. But right now he's a champion. You can't take that away from him. He's got to just enjoy the that moment. Yeah, because you never know if it's gonna happen again, right? Nope. Any final remarks you want to make? It was a fantastic tournament. Loved it. It was great. Um, well worth the wait for sure. Yes, I agree. Well worth the wait. And it's not because it's not because Italy won this tournament. It's because we had some we had some crazy, crazy matchups, crazy Cinderella stories, uh crazy classics. Um just just it, some- it was one of the best tournaments. Outside of for me, Euro two thousand was the best Euro. Yeah, and now not because Italy won, but this Euro was, it was outstanding. It was outstanding. It was outstanding. It really was like every game you're you're on the edge of the seat. Yeah, the amount of drama in the in the knockout stages. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, but one more thing before we wrap up. Yeah, because I know you love England so much. <laughs> Where do you see? Do you see Gareth Southgate in the job for the World Cup? I think. I think if he's going to be there, and I where where does this England team go? Does it go up, or are they kind of at a at a standstill right now? Because this, the way England crashed out of this game, a lot of people were saying it was a replica of how they lost to Croatia, in yeah, the, in the semifinal of the World Cup. 
I don't know. It, it, so where it, do they go? There's a lot of factors here. I think the media will put a lot of pressure on the FA to change the guard at management level. Um, I think they have easily one of the most talented squads on the planet right now. Um, and they have the potential. But I I really don't know. I think if they... Gareth Southgate's got them this far. Um, and it's because he didn't... He didn't listen to the English media about changing his tactics, or which is why they got this far. Which, but at the same time, I know it's it's a double edged sword. But at the same time, that's why they maybe didn't win. It's a double edged sword. I think if you see a different manager come in, he needs to be a manager that can get you there. I think Gareth Southgate has gotten them as far as he can. I just don't think he can get them over the hill. Um, I think this England team can learn a lot from this loss in the final. They'll never forget it. But it's a huge learning experience for them, and it could be a blessing in disguise. I mean, uh, I thought Italy missing the World Cup was a blessing in disguise because it was time to blow it up and rebuild, and three years later, and we, we did, are, yeah. Right? And it we was, did. It was a blessing in disguise because had we made that World Cup, where would we be today? Yeah, and then this is the crossroads this England na- nation's at. Do you want to be Belgium Yeah. and waste your golden generation? On a manager that maybe, you know, obviously these managers aren't bad. They got to the level, but a manager that maybe has fulfilled his potential with the team, he can't do much right. more. So yeah, they're they're kind of at a crossroads that that Belgium was at. Belgium started with Mark Wilmot, great player, not a great manager. Yeah, went to Roberto Martinez. I'd say an average manager. Yeah, maybe not good enough to be playing and dealing with the big personalities. And Gero Southgate, yes, he has the the players on his side, but does he have the cutting edge, the the knowledge to outplay a Mancini? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the the best manager in the tournament won. Yeah. And it was, and I think if Italy had a different manager, we probably don't win this tournament. Mancini was that important, so that's how important the manager definitely is. And yeah, that's the big question. Yeah. England's at a crossroads. Do we continue with Gareth Southgate and his? pragmatic football and and make our opponents look ordinary but ourselves not play too yeah you know too out of the box do we continue that route or do we just go we have all this attack and talent and just go so it'll be interesting to see what happens of of england but like we said world cup's coming up a year and a half it's going to be here before we even yeah. before we even know it it's going to be here yeah right so we'll be talking about it and we'll be talking about it again that sums up our Euro 2020 coverage. It's done. We've done it. We completed the Italian job. And rightly so, our champions of Europe and have put the world on notice that we are back. We are back. And the soccer world's a better place for it. It is. With Italy back. It is. 100%. So until next time, ciao ragazzi. Ciao. It's coming through!